Hashtag worship, singing God of Wonders Beyond Our Galaxy. Pastor Jeff Grant here, and this is Radio Church on 4 Sour in Mackay, 107.5 on the dial. May our God richly bless you as you worship Him in this hour of praise, prayer and teaching. Let's join together in prayer to begin. Our Father, we love you and we want to know you better. You are the ruler of all creation and time, and you have called us to believe in and obey your Holy Son, Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord. We have joined together in this radio church service to praise and worship you, Lord. May your wonderful Holy Spirit open our hearts and minds to you and to your Holy Word and draw us closer in our relationship with you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Dear ones, in Ephesians 1 we read this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. In his sight, in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And now, beloved, let's hear from Michael W. Smith as he sings Above All Powers.
Church on 4 Sharon Mackay 107.5 FM. Jeff Grant here, and today's message I've called The Disciples' Prayer Life, and I pray this will be a real blessing for you. You know, we all know that prayer is important and even vital for all believers, especially the disciple, that is, the sincere, the sincere follower and learner from Jesus Christ. Jesus said his disciples such a glowing example in prayer that they pleaded with him, Lord, teach us to pray. That's in Luke 11, 1. They had heard his prayers and they had a strong yearning to have a similar relationship with God the Father, just like Jesus did. You know, we should all have this yearning, just as they did. Now, I'm sharing from a number of different scriptures and my first point I've called God's interests must come first. Now, prayer is an amazing paradox. It's really a blending of simplicity and profoundness. And it can be both an agony or an ecstasy. Uh, quite frankly, many in our churches today see prayer as a boring duty, something we have to do. We do it in church, during the service, and when we know we should pray at our mealtime and before we go to sleep and we should pray when we wake up. We know we should do that. But many people have never discovered the power and vitality in God-honouring prayer. You know, prayer may focus on a single object, just one item, or it can roam the world. It's the simplest form of speech for children, for infants in fact. And it's the most sublime or deep or amazing uh, thing to reach out to God on high. It's not surprising that Paul the Apostle said, we really don't know how we ought to pray or what we ought to pray for. The first text is Matthew 6, 9 and 10. Jesus said, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus gives us the heavenly pattern here, his pattern. Now, for the maturing disciple, God's interests must always be paramount. They must always come first. But you must realise that immature believers usually pray for themselves, first and always, or for other people's material needs, and usually for the best possible outcome. Immature Christians need to grasp what Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, early in this chapter, when he said, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things you need, you want, you cry out for, will be added to you. Seek his kingdom first. And the first half of Jesus' prayer is totally occupied with God, the Father, and His interests. Worship, praise, and thanksgiving should always have first, first place. We to address our Father and, and understand and express the, the fact that He's our intimate lover of our soul. He lives in heaven. He transcends all creation. He's He's far away, and He's so close. And we need to begin our prayer by addressing who God is and putting ourselves in our position of supplication before Him. It's not a chat. It's an act of worship. And, of course, it says, Hallowed be your name. God is holy. And we, we want to express that, that everything we do would, would hallow His name. Our words, our actions, and even our thoughts and our imagination should be such that we we bestow honour on this wonderful God who is so holy. And then in verse 10 it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done. And so that, that should come first in our prayer. Lord, whatever is your opinion, your decision, I want to make that first. So help me to pray as I ought to pray. Because in heaven, uh, your will is done instantly. 
Help me to do your will. Help your will to be done in every aspect of my life, Lord. So that's the pattern. We, we put that God's interest must come first. And the prayers of Paul the Apostle follow this pattern, and so should yours and mine. If you read um, the letters of Paul, say, to the Ephesians, Colossians, and Philippians, and you read through his prayers, you'll see he always addresses God and, and glorifies him and all he does and all he wants and his will. Uh, but I have to also add that petition, um, that we make intercession, are still commanded in Scripture, but always after, after the priorities of the Father have been addressed. Dear ones, I have to ask you and ask myself, how do your prayers compare so far? Do you always put God's interests first when you begin to pray? Let's practice that in all our prayers. We'll pause for a moment and listen to uh, a song by Jeff Bullock, Jesus, Lover of My Soul. sharing a message with you I've called the disciples prayer life and we just looked at the first part God's interest must always come first the second point I'd like to share with you is that prayer needs authority audacity 
and import importunity. It's important to emphasize that last word, importunity. It's not a chat with God. It isn't a casual conversation. We're, we're doing spiritual, holy work here. Prayer needs authority, audacity, and importunity. Prayer is a marvelous thing. It's a marvelous blessing that God offers to all of us, to every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that unsafe people may only pray in sincere repentance? That's the only prayer, prayer they can make that God will listen to. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive my sins. And then put their trust in Jesus Christ and in his redeeming death on the cross for them. But for the believers, uh, those who know that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin and in his death on the cross, we're redeemed, we're made righteous and we're, we're built into the family of God for eternity. Wow, for the true disciples of Christ, prayer can be absolutely life-changing and empowering. Now, I mentioned three things, authority, audacity, and importunity. First of all, authority. In 2 Corinthians 10, it says here when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We should always remember this passage when we're seeking to share our faith with someone. For prayer is what really counts. The words you use are nowhere near as important as the prayer that comes before it. In Ephesians 6.12, that big chapter on that section, rather in that big chapter on uh, on spiritual warfare and the armour of God, Paul writes, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And yet prayer can overcome all that. The only thing we need to defeat uh, the devil and his work is prayer. They're spiritual weapons and they're the power of God. In Luke 10, 18 and 19, Jesus said, uh, I saw a Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And then he says in verse 19 of Luke 10, Behold, I have given you authority and power to trample upon serpents and scorpions, in other words, spiritual evil spirits, and, uh, and physical and mental strength and ability over all the power the enemy possesses that nothing shall in any way harm you. We can overcome all the works of the enemy, the devil, just by that power in prayer, using that authority God has given us. An old Saint Samuel Chadrick wrote, or rather contended, that Satan fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless teaching, and prayerless preaching. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Another, another, another dear Saint William Cowper wrote, Restraining prayer, we cease to fight. Prayer makes the Christian's armour bright, and Satan trembles when he sees the weaker saint upon his knees. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it says in Ephesians 6, 18 and 19, at the end of that section on the spiritual armour, Paul wrote, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Over and over and over again we read in Scripture that prayer is the greatest power of the Christian. It's not our intelligence. It's certainly not our looks or anything else that we've got. Not our spiritual gifts. It's the power of prayer. For that brings God into the picture. That's all about authority. Now, audacity. An unknown saint wrote, you may have heard this, Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. Dawson Trotman, who founded the Navigator Ministry, used to challenge missionaries, Are you praying for peanuts or continents? John Knox, who... Uh, uh, evangelized Scotland, prayed, Give me Scotland or I die. Friends, we need prayers with authority, prayers with audacity. Jesus never envisaged his church in retreat or in
in decline like it is today. Brothers and sisters, we need a new way of praying. Current meth methods just don't seem to be effective. We need to pray with authority and we need to pray with audacity. And also we need to pray with importunity. Now importunity is simply persistence in prayer. Remember how Jesus told the story about the three friends. I'll read it to you from Luke uh, 11, 5 to 8. He said, then Jesus said to them, suppose you're a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me. I've got no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my kids and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, Jesus said, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, your importunity, he will surely give up and give you as much as you need. And then he ends that section in Luke eleven thirteen by saying, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good, good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Jesus describes... Um, this friend who, because he cried out to his other friend, he, he eventually gave in and gave him the bread. And our Father in Heaven is not like that. And as if, as if we didn't hear that, Jesus told another, another parable in Luke 18 about the unjust judge. And he contrasted him with God our Father. And he said, uh, the poor widow went to this judge and in the, in the end the judge said, um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't trust God or or fear God, but I'll, uh, I'll give to this woman just because she keeps on begging me. Jesus said, the Father in heaven is not like that. We don't need to um, beg him, but we do need to come before him with authority, audacity, and importunity. Adoniram Judson, who evangelized Burma, wrote about his years of praying. God loves an importunate, importunate prayer so much that he will not give us much blessing without it. He knows that it is a necessary preparation for our receiving the richest blessing that he is longing to bestow. Let me ask you, dear ones, are your prayers moving the hand of God? What needs to happen? How is your church uh, doing? Is it uh, storming the gates of hell? Is it growing in vitality and in authority? could be because it needs someone like you to pray and cry out to God. Let's pause now while we hear from Matt Beckingham as he's going to sing for us, Lord, I come to you. Spirit leads me 
to face the knowledge of your love as you live in me. Lord, renew my mind as your will unfolds in my life. Said to me, 
My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul writes, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. James wrote in chapter 4, verse 3 of his letter, that we, we don't receive because we ask wrong. We ask to uh, just simply to please ourselves of our own, our own needs. That's why God doesn't, doesn't always answer prayer. And by the way, it's not our faith in prayer that will count, but rather our faith in God, the one who will answer our prayers. Beloved, we should always pray in Jesus' name. We should always pray in accordance with his word. And we also we should always pray for the glory and honour of his name and ask God to do it for that reason. I've got a poem here from Ophelia R. Browning. Unanswered yet? Nay, do not say ungranted. Perhaps your part is not fully done. Thy work began when first your prayer was offered, and God will finish what he has begun. If you keep the incense burning there, you shall have your desire sometime, somewhere. Dear ones, God's timing is infallible. It's without a fault. He allows for every possible factor and every participant when we pray. In all the circumstances around us, you and I may want fruit but still unripe. But God will always wait for the perfect moment. In Galatians 4.4 it says, When the time had fully come, the perfect moment, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law. The Lord Jesus Christ came to earth at the perfect moment. God's plans are always just at the perfect moment. And he has something always better for us, or else there is something that he desires to achieve in our lives that can, can be impacted in no other way but to hold off in answering our prayers. And yet this whole message has been about the fact that God does answer prayer, Unanswered prayer is only a small factor of it, but we need to pray. We need to pray by putting God's interests first above all things. We need to pray with authority, with audacity and importunity. And we have to remember that prayer is going to be a struggle. We have to literally wear ourselves out. I've heard about saints who wore holes in the floor because that was the spot they prayed. And they wore holes in their in their clothing because they were on their knees for so long. We, we see prayer as a duty sometimes. Yet God says to us, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And the disciples asked the Lord Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. May the Lord bless you as you develop a new way of praying, a new prayer life. They will be both honouring to God and a great blessing for you. Beloved, I've got a couple of songs for you as we wind this message up, this, this radio church up. There was no one like you, Lord, from Robin Mark, and Amazing Grace from Chris Tomlin. Here they are.
Dear ones, we've come to the end of our Radio Church broadcast on 4 Sauri Mackay 107.5 FM. Here's the Jude 24 doxology. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Saviour, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. We close now with a final song of praise from Graham Kendrick, Lead Me to the Cross of Jesus. Goodbye and God bless you till we come together again. <laughs>